This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is April 18th, and this is the Economy Guy coming your way with last week's big news. And there was a lot last week, so I have a lot to talk about, but on a small number of subjects. Here's the agenda for today. First, I'll do a quick market wrap and my interpretation of what happened in the market and why. Second, I'm going to talk about the uh, Consumer Price Index, the CPI. What happened? It was a big number and an important number. So that has changed everything, in my opinion. Three, I'm going to talk about what the Fed is saying about inflation. Again, very tied to the CPI number. That's the third topic. Good to know what the Fed's doing. They shake the markets more than anyone else out there. And fourth and last will be the six possible precursors to a market crash. And there was move, movement in many of those. So a, a very important topic. Now, uh, uh, so from a personal note, uh, back in Florida, very happy. Uh, weather's good, rained a little bit, uh, and the bad news is I caught a cold. Now, I wanted to talk about that for a second. It may sound like a stupid thing to talk about, but I will anyway. Uh, because in our environment today, a cold is just bad news. Uh, you know, in the good old days, before COVID, you had a cold, you took care of yourself, you blew your nose, you sort of, you know, you washed your hands, you stayed away from people, you didn't want to infect anyone in your family, they were the most contagious uh, people, etc. Well, in the COVID era, it's all different because I don't care if you have a cold or you have a flu, like the good old days, what a which a flu was, that's when you had a fever in bed in addition to having a runny nose or cough or whatever else that's going on. Or you have COVID itself. The symptoms for all three of those things is identical. So, uh, well, hey, I'm not going to go out and get myself tested for COVID because I have a cold and I'm feeling like I have a cold. I'm treating my cold with what I would treat a cold with. I'm taking a lot of garlic, just uh, chunk it up, raw garlic, and swallow it, a lot of it. And uh, that's one of the best curatives for your body, I, I know, and it, it really works for me personally. Uh, if you haven't tried it, you can't lose. Hey, you get a little garlic breath, but so what? Uh, I mean, you're going to try to stay away from people anyway, right? So, hey, mwah, try it. I'm happy with that. So, on a personal note, there's my COVID story for the day. Uh, I don't think I have it, and, uh, and I'm getting better. And I, I can honestly say that. I've had this the cold symptoms for three solid days, maybe three and a half days. That's where I am right now and recovering. So, onward to segment number one, the market wrap. 
The first segment, I am going to go over the market summary wrap. Let's talk about it. The stocks, the Dow Jones, ended the week at uh, 34,200, setting new record during the week. That was up about 400 points. Big week. I've always said there's a strong economy going on, and the stocks are reflecting that more than anything else. The 10-year bond is fell back. Uh, surprised me somewhat. Uh, going to talk about that a lot in the fourth segment of our six precursors. So I'll leave that off. It ended at 1.573%. For the previous week was 1.666. So that was a pretty big drop. That was as big a drop as uh, the powering ahead of a tenth of a percent every, every week that went on for so many weeks. Still up there. The U.S. dollar fell about 1%. Uh, that is, uh, the dollar's coming back. It's still strong. Dollar strong from a, an import-export viewpoint, but it's coming back to uh, be a potential uh, where we thought it might be going, which is a falling dollar causing rising inflation through imports. So that, that's the dollar. Oil ended up at $63 per barrel. Previous week it was 59 That was a significant jump up. OPEC is playing its games and trying to get rich, and uh, I don't blame them. What they're worried about is the U.S. opening up their wells, and uh, because at $63, uh, oil producers can make money in Texas or other places, but mainly Texas. And gold, the fifth uh, thing we watch, ended up at $17.78. That was up a little over $30 for the week. A major move for gold, very good. Um, previous week was $17.45, so $33 was a, uh, the move up. Uh, gold has recovered a hundred bucks from its lowest low, a recent low, and uh, and looks like it's a, a good place. I would say the falling uh, dollar has given an environment for oil and gold to go up, all commodities, but those are the two we watch. So much my interpretation of that, all of those numbers. First of all, we have a strong economy, and these numbers, all of the numbers are reflecting a strong economy. Stocks are powering, powering forward, and that the environment is for more going forward, upward in the stock market. And it's also uh, downward in the U.S. dollar. That's kind of the way I, I view this interpretation of, of the market, where it's going. Uh, for some reason, uh, the bond market decided that it would pull back its interest rate on the 10-year. And that impacts everything, and, and there's a lot of uh, guessing what that means in terms of Fed speak, but who knows? The fact is, these are facts, these are real numbers, and numbers drive the market, as well as opinion and emotion. So I stick with, uh, that's what macro is all about, are the facts, and then overlay that with opinion. I will uh, be done with this segment, and moving on to segment two now. Okay, on to segment number two, and that's the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. Top line, CPI came in at 2.6% for the month of March. 2.6%. surprised everybody to the upside. The, uh, everybody thought the month over month would be 0.5% and the year over year 2.5%. It came in very different than that. So it came in at... Uh, 2.6 for the year-over-year. Year. That's the number I watch, year-over-year year thing, because year-over-year year is the way you look at it. 
that's kind of the human way of looking at CPI. The stock markets didn't know how to react to this increase in the CPI. Uh, so they just kind of sat back and digested it, even though the market was up. I think people are having difficulty because inflation is a two-edged sword. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you see that, uh, you know, a little little inflation is good. There's more money out there, more earnings. Stock prices go up because the companies are making more money. Uh, inflation is bad because uh, people have less money. They buy less things. Earnings go down and stock prices go down. So, so it's a two-edged sword. And... The markets, meaning the people who actually buy and sell stocks, had to digest the possibility there could be massive inflation on the horizon. And what does that mean for stocks? It's much harder to read that crystal ball. Much, much harder. And we're going to try to do that a little bit uh, as we go along this week and future weeks. But the Fed, Chairman Powell, said, no problem, no problem, CPI inflation, no problem, it's transitory. <coughs> That's his word. Inflation is transitory. What does that mean? What, is, what does Powell mean? Let's interpret Powell a little bit here. So this kind of go off a bit. What does transitory inflation mean? What it means is it's uh, going to go up for a while and then it's going to stop going up. So what does that mean? I say, uh, let's do it real simple numbers so we understand it this year. The prices stay exactly the same, so inflation is zero. Then all of a sudden there's an event and prices go up 2.6% year over year. Boom. And uh, the prices stay there <coughs> Excuse me, for a year. After the 2.6%, they didn't change. So inflation after the 2.6% is still zero. So it's zero, 2.6%, and zero. That's what transitory means. Zero, 2.6, zero. Uh, but notice what really is happening. Prices went up and they stay up forever. In our environment, we have continuing inflation. So prices go up, they continue to go up, and they've been going up forever. <coughs> Take that for uh, what it really means. That That is why, uh, for Chairman Powell to say the CPI is transitory as if it's not a problem is my opinion, kind of insane, kind of insane, you know. <coughs> okay, so what drove this increasing CPI number? Well, it was gasoline price, actually, was the major driver for the number going up. And what is gasoline? It's simply energy. And energy is used in everything. Anything you buy, anything you do requires energy. So if you want to create inflation, you really want to push the price of energy up. That is exactly what's happening in our world today. And therefore, in, we're powering inflation higher. This is one of the big uh, scary indicators to me. Pay attention to inflation. Pay attention now. The, uh, we have now passed into the orange, possibly blinking red inflation area. We are now in a danger zone. Why? Well, let's talk about that. Let's, uh, let's talk about the month-over-month -month numbers, because that's where they become interesting. It was predicted that the CPI would be a half a percent, 0.5%. It came in at 0.6%, higher than a scary when it's higher. And, uh, and, and 
it was uh, predicted that the year over year would be 2.5. It came in at 2.6. Again, a little bit scary. But let's look at the month over month. Let's look at the trend, the trend of this year only, 2021, January, February, March. In January, month over month was 0.3. In February, it was 0.4. In March, it was 0.6. Note the trend, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0.6. The trend is up. The trend is your friend. Remember that. So now what if you just project that trend through all, I mean, that's the first quarter. We're done with one quarter of 2021 already. We've got three quarters to go. We're in the second quarter now. We're beginning it in April. So, uh, so what happens if that trend continues? Just follow that straight line up throughout all of 2021. What will the year look like? The year would be if you project it. And so it's a guess and it's got to be wrong. All guesses are wrong is the trend says inflation will be 4%. That's way too high, way too high in my opinion. Remember, the Fed wants it to average 2%, meaning it could be a little bit above 2% for a while, but it's got to come back down. Average. Well, it's been below it, but now now that it's a little above it, it's, it's around averaging it now. But 4% for the year is way not averaging. No, no, no. Well, now if the, you... You take that trend, okay, and you extrapolate it upward. Well, I mean, how did I get to the 4% number? I got to the 4% and say that this quarter is the same for in the next three quarters. That's how I got to 4%. That's very possible. That's very possible. But what if you just take that trend and increase it so that, that it's 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.6, 0 0.7, 0 0.8, 0 0.9, da 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 da. You just keep going. In other words, uh, extrapolate it up. Extrapolate it up. Where do you get to? You get to inflation, the CPI would be 13% for this year rather than 4%. Well, that's crazy. That, that's not going to happen. Very clearly, I, I don't think that's real. It's just not real. But something more than 4% is possible if that extrapolation is real, if energy is pumping forward and it continues to pump forward, if oil price continues to go up, what happens? That happened in the 80s, if those of you who remember the 80s. Uh, well, uh, so maybe 5% is possible, maybe 6% is possible. I really want to drive home inflation. So let's look at beyond the consumer price index or what we face as individuals. How about import prices? Import prices, just what has the cost of uh, import prices done in March? Well, in March, uh, the price of imports went up 1.2%. That's a lot. And uh, with a year-over-year -year increase being 6.9%, 6.9, that's big. Those are the prices that import company, companies, some people, but mostly companies, are buying from overseas. They're paying, on order, 7% more this year than last year. Oh, guess who pays that additional 7%? It's you when you buy something. That's right. How about exports? Export prices. That's a good one to look at. Export prices for the month of March, month of March uh, was up, were up 2.1%. That's good. Exports is good. And year over year, 9.1%. Isn't that great? Except that we import so much more than export that we're actually still have a balance of payment problem with the world. So we're just, you know, buying ourselves into a, a bad position. 
<clears throat> so I want to finish this whole story off <clears throat> by talking about a single company and inflation and how that could, hypothetically, could affect the company. And I think it's a pretty sound story here. Let's talk about a, uh, a company called Dollar Tree. I've seen that around the United States. I'm pretty sure it's in every state. And they sell products for $1. You go in there, you take something off the shelf, it costs $1. Actually, actually it's $99.99. cents, But that's close enough. It's a dollar. <clears throat> so what's happening here? <clears throat> dollar Tree buys everything overseas. Very little domestically produced. But if they did domestically produce, then incidentally, they're, they're going to be paying 9% more this year. But uh, if it's imported, they're only going to be paying 7% more this year than last year. And, and the price will go up again next year. Now, they're not increasing the price that they're selling things off the shelf, but they're paying more for the imports. 7% more, right? Each year, they're paying more and selling for the same thing. Now, that's squeezing the profit margin, right? If you... If the income is the same and the uh, expenses go up each year, uh, you're going to squeeze your profits. Eventually, they'll become negative and you become bankrupt. So the business model that Dollar Tree has is not sound in an inflationary, especially a highly inflationary. And that's what where imports and exports are. They're highly inflationary. I want to emphasize that word. It's, this is not normal inflation we're talking about. Uh, and Dollar Tree is going to have to do something. So let's hypothesize. What would you do if you owned Dollar Tree? If you were running it, what would you do? Well, increase prices, I think. Because your first uh, job is to save the company. I mean, you have to keep going, right? Uh, only when you can't keep going do you have to stop. So save the company. So the only way they can save the company is increase prices, which means... They probably are going to have to change their name to dollar and a half tree or two dollar tree or variable tree, like you know most places uh, are. The prices in the, in the shops are variable. Most almost all shops are variable. Yeah, very few shops have fixed prices that don't change. In fact, the name of the company is built around that price, <clears throat> or they're going out of business. I just wanted to emphasize the importance of inflation to a company. And on to segment number three. What does the Fed think about inflation? Let's talk about that in a little detail here. You know, the Fed, Chairman Powell said that inflation is transitory. That's an acknowledgement that inflation exists and they want it to exist. It's, but it's transitory. So it's not a problem. That's what they're saying. But do you remember back in the 2007-2008 time frame, this same Fed, the same Fed, Basically, the same people were around, different chairmen, but the same people are sitting on the board. Um, the Fed said that the subprime problem was not a problem, that it was contained. And it was contained until it wasn't contained. And we had a pretty big crash. So, does the Fed really know what they're doing? Do they know what they're... Does, are they, you know, blowing hot air, or do they really believe this stuff, huh? I think they actually believe this stuff. That's personal opinion. I don't think they're trying to fool anyone. They're trying to be transparent. Uh, they say that, and I believe it. I, I do believe these are fairly honorable people in the Fed. So, I, you know, when they say something, 
you know, if I don't have to believe it, but if they, I think they believe it, then that's good. So here's the question for you is if uh, inflation is as transitory as the subprime problem was, uh, uh, is the subprime, is the, uh, is inflation contained? Is, does it, you know, if, if they were wrong in one place, can't, can they be right the same with, you know, their thought process? Possibly. Possibly. Well, let's look back in a little bit of, uh, here, let's see. What does the Fed think? They think that, uh, how, how do they come about this thought process? The Fed thinks that they've been printing money for a long time and inflation has not gone up. They're having a heck of a time increasing inflation. They, that's their history. That's the recent history, the last few years of inflation. They print, 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 and there is no inflation. So they think that trend is your friend. They continue to do that. It will continue to have a hard time in the future. They have a blip of inflation right now, but it will stop because it didn't cause inflation in the past. That's what they think. So that's why they say inflation is transitory. It's important to understand what their thought process is. That's what they're thinking. However, let's look at Fed history. That's good to look at. In the good old days of the Fed, and I'm talking about many chairmen back, it was when any time you had inflation, the Fed would jump on it. Jump on it early. They would try to tamp it down. How do they tamp it down? They raise interest rates. Well, they can't do that now. They raise interest rates, everything crashes. The whole world crashes down. So they can't do that. But that is the old philosophy the Fed had. They don't have it anymore. And why did they, was their philosophy to tamp it down early when as inflation started to raise? Because it's hard to stop it when it's out of control. Under the Jimmy Carter days, it took a, a Chairman Volcker to come in and raise rates to astronomical position in order to bring inflation under control. They know it's hard. They realize that, but they don't think we're going to get there. So they're not concerned about it. And because uh, when inflation gets going, it's, it's hard to stop. That's a lesson, lesson to remember that. So I have a question for you. How high does inflation need to go before the Fed says, we were wrong, oops, and then they change their direction? How high? I have my number. I want you to have your number. So I won't talk about mine right now. Maybe for the next segment, I'll talk about it. Uh, and that's it for the third segment. On to the last and fourth segment. And on to the last, or here's our last, the fourth segment. It's going to talk about are the six precursors to a market crash. And the first one is the 10-year treasury rate. Uh, here we're looking at an increasing 10-year treasury rate, which causes the Fed to change their mind and change their policy. What happened this last week, it turned, came in at 1.573%. Previous, it was 1.66, and it goes back. Uh, at the high was 1.73. It's been coming back down. It's still a strong uh, uptrend, in my opinion. It's not hasn't turned to a downtrend yet, but it's relaxed. I, I put uh, I used to say that this was as it was going up so fast. This was a red or flashing red. I think it's just solid orange right now. Just keep our eye on it. It's not a problem. Ten year is not a problem right now. It's not going to cause a market crash. 
How about high yield bonds that came in at 9.05? We're looking here at the value of the bonds. If the value is higher, that means the market's safe. You should be putting your money into stocks and bonds. And, uh, and in, indeed, 9.05 is higher than the previous week, 9.04, which was higher than the previous week of that week, 9.01. It's going up. That says junk bonds are strong. That says people have confidence. And it also says invest <coughs> in the stock market. Again, this is, this is a green area just to be ignored. And this is not going to cause crash here. How about the third thing? The U.S. dollar has been getting weaker. It's been falling over. Uh, it is now uh, about 1.2 to the euro, 1.38 to the pound, and 108 to the yen. Those are significant numbers. And it's uh, while the dollar, in my opinion, is still a little strong, it's getting back into the position where it could start weakening again. Uh, this is one we will watch in the future. Again, not <coughs> a trendsetter. This is a green area. It's not going to cause a market crash, but we expect that, that as the dollar falls in the future, it will cause inflation. And indeed, the fourth area, the CPI, came in at 2.6%. We've been talking, that's the whole story this week, was the CPI. And what can I say? This is, uh, I said as long as it was below 2%, it was green. There was no problem with this one. We're what I'm thinking is, you know, what, what do we have, the number have to be? <laughs> that's my question for you last time, last uh, segment. Uh, in order to, for the Fed to change his mind, I think <clears throat> 3%, 3 3.5% is enough for the Fed to uh, jump up and down and say, oh, oh, maybe we screwed up. Uh, but who knows? Um it's 2.6 now. Uh, I This is no longer green. This is a solid orange or maybe even a flashing orange because it went up so fast. This is the one to watch now is inflation. And it's harder because it only comes out once a month. Harder, harder, harder. Uh, I think the world was a little surprised with the strength of inflation in the United States. Uh, so so this is the one. Now we're getting into numbers that, that count. How about a Fed policy change? Well, basically no change, except one of the members of the Fed, uh, James Bullard, came out and said that um, when the vaccination, this is an interesting one, when the vaccination rate in the United States exceeds 75%, then the Fed will consider reducing, or at least talking about what they're doing with quantitative easing. Quantitative easing, that's the huge amount of money, the $120 billion a month of new money that they're printing every month. That's a big, big deal. So that's a modification slightly of their policy. But the Fed didn't change their policy, so no change in Fed policy. It's green, no problem. Let's charge forward, stay in the stock market, buy stocks. They're going to do anything but simply go up. They can go up forever, forever. Oh, oh God, that's scary. And the sixth and last area is any bluebird. Something that comes in from the outside that's going to crash the market. <coughs> Nothing happened last week, in my opinion, uh, along that line. But uh, again, I'll put out my uh, question to all of the listeners. If you believe that you found something that might have caused it, as it did the previous week, which was a hedge fund, that uh, personal hedge fund, this guy that was... Uh, 
doing swaps, to, you know, and then lost lost it all. He lost all his money, $20 billion. There goes one of the billionaires off the list. Uh, well, that had to carry on this last week, incidentally. A story continues, right? Because one of the banks that was uh, holding the shares that they, the guy was swapping actually had to sell those shares this last week. <clears throat> so they were selling tens of millions of dollars of shares. You know, when you sell shares, prices go down. Uh, that, so the knock-on effect of that happened, but because they could delay it, it wasn't a market crash, and it, and it was a small, too small a number to be a crash. Uh, I, a crash is going to happen is when everybody, especially all the Robin Hood people, sell the same day. It's all over. It's, you'll be like a nuclear explosion out there. So send in your bluebirds. Love to hear them. And uh, I wish everyone a, a great weekend and a great week coming up. This is The Economy Guy signing off. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.